on today's show, a very quiet NBA traded line for the Houston Rockets. Why didn't we see the Rockets make any moves? What it kind of tells us about what we think their plan is moving forward, possible front office concerns, and the risks of chasing star level players. We're going to unpack all that right here at Lockdown Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingoon here in the short row. Oh, Mike, that's the no look. Jabari for three on the win. Yeah! Look at Tarisen. Here comes Tarisen. Oh! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. The NBA trade deadline has come and gone, and the Houston Rockets look the exact same. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything. Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, Native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked On NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked On Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube, where I want your thoughts. I want your feelings. I want your reactions to what the Houston Rockets did or didn't do at the NBA trade deadline. Let me know in the YouTube comments. And as always, thank you so much for making Lockdown Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an every day or making the show part of your day every single day. Rockets didn't do anything. Now, not, that's not technically true. They made the Steven Adams trade, but that was a little bit before the deadline. So that was the only move that the Houston Rockets made, the only midseason move that the Rockets made uh, at this year's NBA trade deadline. They did not manage to address the clear the two biggest problems with this roster the clear lack of shooting as well as the clear lack of a backup uh center for this season i understand steven adams great trade for next year if you haven't watched our reaction show breakdown of 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 that signing and what it means for the team go do that i'm not gonna spend much time talking about it today if at all so let's start with the elephant in the room why didn't we see the houston rockets make any moves uh, I think it's a, I think it's a very disappointing thing. Like if I had to it, it just on the surface, it was, it's a good trade deadline or a bad trade deadline for the Rockets. I think it's kind of bad. I think it's kind of disappointing that we had an NBA trade deadline where we saw a lot of very serviceable role players being moved around and shuffled and this, that, and the other thing for as little as, you know, a couple second rounders here and there. And the Rockets decided to stand pat, sit on their hands, do nothing. Now, doing nothing is not inherently a bad thing. Sometimes doing nothing is better than doing something just for the sake of doing something or doing something and it turning out to be a bad move. So doing nothing is not inherently bad. But when the Rockets clearly had two areas of need, shooting and a backup big man, and neither of those two areas got addressed, even when there's still the possibility of, a, like, here, here's the, the biggest issue I take with what, happened or again didn't happen at the at the at the trade deadline for the Rockets is at a minimum the Rockets could have resolved or should or could still knock on wood potentially resolve their backup big man situation they didn't trade for a backup big man but you can easily go out and get a buyout candidate you know off waivers Bismack Biombo is still a free agent and he's a name that the Rockets could potentially go sign 
Uh, Robin Lopez is another name that got shuffled about in, I think, a couple different trades, but he got waived. So that's another veteran big man that you could sign and bring to Houston. And hey, you miss out on Brooke Lopez over the summer. So why not get the next best thing? His his, his brother, Robin. I, 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 I kid, but, you know, legitimately, those are two possible options that the Rockets could still go after. And at a minimum, I would like to see the Rockets, you know, wave Boban Marjanovic, who doesn't play, is not part of the rotation anyways, and actually go sign a center that they can give 10 to 15 minutes a night to when you need a legitimate rebounding presence, a bigger body to throw on guys, you know, so you can give Alper and Shingun a legitimate backup five and you don't have to exclusively rely on Jeff Green to be your backup five when he's more of a small ball five, a guy that should be used situationally. So I think depending on what happens with the buyout candidates, um, I, I still, I will reserve a little bit of judgment to see if the rocks are able to scoop up a name somewhere, somehow to be a serviceable backup five man for this roster. Uh, but I'm not going to hold my breath because the problem is now you are in direct contention with the other teams that are actually legitimate playoff threats or, or possible championship contenders, because those teams are going to be lining up to flesh out their rosters first. And I'm sure that Bismack Biombo and Robin Lopez would rather go play for one of those teams that they have aspirations about, you know, pursuing a title and, and getting a, getting a ring rather than signing with the Houston Rockets who are kind of on the fringe, you know, of even making the play in, which doesn't even look like a guarantee at this point. So there's, there's that. Um, and at a minimum, I would have, uh, you know, so, so that's kind of at a minimum. And I would have liked to see the team actually explore some trades with Reggie Bullock and Jay Sean Tate, because those are two guys that feels like Reggie Bullock's already not playing. Jay Sean Tate's minutes have been steadily decreasing over the season. And once Tari Eason returns from injury, which is right around the corner, we're nearing a Tari Eason return. Probably I would hope immediately after all-star break or soon after all-star break. There's not going to be any minutes for Jay Sean Tate once Tari Eason comes back and is playing ideally 25 or 30 plus minutes a night for the Rockets. There's not going to be any minutes for guys like Reggie Bullock, like Jay Sean Tate. So at a minimum, you could have flipped those two guys for second round draft picks or, or you know, potentially a late first if there was one on the table for a guy like Jay Sean Tate. And that is a little problematic that this Rockets front office, and that kind of gets into maybe some of the concerns that you might have with the front office about their approach to the NBA traded line and and some of you know some of the criticisms in the past that we've had about their uh reactive nature instead of being proactive in seeking deals and maybe holding on to players for a little bit longer than they probably should have. It was reported by the Athletics Kelly Eco that the Houston Rockets had two second round picks on the table for Jay Sean Tate from the Dallas Mavericks and they declined the trade, which at this point I think is a bit of a mistake. Uh, because again, if Jay Shante's not going to have a spot in the rotation, if he's going to lose out his spot because of the emergence of Cam Whitmore and Tari Eason's return, getting value for a guy like that would probably make a ton of sense. But instead, the Rockets are going to hold on to him and you know potentially revisit, revisit things in the summer. Now, with Jay Shante, it's not the absolute end of the world because he does still have uh, another year left on his contract. He is aggregatable salary. And one of the, I guess, bigger, more long-term plays that it looks like the Rockets are teeing themselves up for is the ability to go star chasing either this summer or next trade deadline or potentially uh, in summer 2025, a year and a half from now. And we're going to unpack why that is and, and why that looks to be the case. But overall, I think I'm just kind of disappointed 
with this trade deadline for the Rockets. You had two very clear areas of need, didn't address either one of them. Now, if it's because you didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to give up assets for a marginal, like half season rental of certain guys, like, like Buddy Heald got moved at the deadline, but it cost three second round picks to get him. He's only got a half season left on his contract. So maybe that's, maybe the market just wasn't where it needed to be for the Rockets front office to make uh, a trade for an impact contributor that could be available right now for this season. And that's fine. That makes sense if that's the case. But at the same time, the fact that you couldn't even accomplish a marginal improvement for the backup five-man spot uh, is a bit concerning. So I do think that there are some legitimate concerns to be had about the approach with what, you know, with the fact that the front office didn't do anything this trade deadline. Um, but I want to try and unpack why or what I think the Rockets kind of grand master plan here is, as well as further getting into some of the, again, the concerns about asset management from the front office and uh, the risks associated with potentially chasing stars, as well as we'll take a look around the NBA landscape and kind of see, uh, check in on some of the winners and losers from the NBA trade deadline. And we'll also visit or revisit with the uh, Brooklyn Nets, kind of see what they did. No Mikhail Bridges trade from the Nets. So We'll take stock of what that means for the Brooklyn Nets picks moving forward. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each and every week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And the first name that you're going to want to be on the lookout for Uh there, a guy that one of your Houston Rockets players knows very well, the twin brother of Amin Thompson, Asar Thompson. The Pistons overhauled their roster, and hopefully Monty Williams understands that Asar Thompson should have a probably larger role for this back half of the season for the Pistons. So Asar Thompson, a guy that you're going to want to look to pick up if available. And the other name to be on the lookout for, Benedict Matherin. Buddy Heald is now in Philadelphia. So that should mean more minutes and a larger role, more production for Benedict Matherin. So be sure to be on the lookout for him as well. Now, Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, the same as with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your car needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. So what are the Rockets trying to set themselves up for if they didn't make any moves at this deadline? Uh, I kind of alluded to it already in the first segment, but a big part of, I think, the reasoning for why we didn't see anything happen with guys like Jay Sean Tate or Jock Landale or Jeff Green or any number of the players on the roster is because the Rockets right now are actually set up pretty beautifully to make a splashy trade to, you know, pursue a blockbuster trade, if you will, either this upcoming offseason or at next NBA trade deadline, or if they don't make a trade for a big name player at either of those two 
uh, spots, then they could just be poised to have, I believe, roughly like $80 million, give or take, of expiring salary in summer 2025. So that's a decent spot to be in if you're the Houston Rockets. It gives you some financial flexibility. It gives you options. It allows you to go star hunting and chasing and for the next distressed asset or disgruntled star player who wants out of a bad situation, great. You have the ability and you've got the salary to make it happen and to go pursue one of those guys. The reason being, again, you've got Jay Shante, Jock Landale, Jeff Green, uh, Steven Adams is another contract that's expiring. Uh, and also consider Fred Van Vliet, who is going to be on a massive expiring deal since it's a team option in year three of his contract. That's a ton of financial flexibility. Now, here's the rub, and here's the, the the frustrating part in all this. Banking on being able to trade for a star-level player is a risky approach, right? We saw for years, Daryl Morey was obsessed with star chasing and trying to pair a star player with James Harden. And, you know, he, success, he, he was able to do it with the Dwight Howard signing, and then that didn't work out. Then... He tried for a little while longer, was able to finally trade for Chris Paul, who was probably a little over the hill at that point, uh, but was still incredibly effective. The best star teammate that James Harden had ever played with up to that point in his career, uh, or at least in Houston, I apologize. No disrespect to uh, OKC Westbrook and, and Kevin Durant. But, uh, and then after that, right, they, they traded Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. And I think there's a level of obsession with star chasing that can kind of backfire. Uh and where the Rockets find themselves and why I think it's a risky proposition to try and put yourself in position to trade for a star player like that is because the Rockets do not have the best offer on the market. They just don't. Uh, that's just facts. Because there are multiple teams out there that can outbid the Rockets for a potential star level player. Like, let's just hypothetical, right? Let's say this offseason, Joel Embiid is like, get me out of Philadelphia. I demand a trade. Uh, the teams that are very clearly ahead of the Rockets from an asset management perspective are, uh, first off, OKC is ahead of everybody else in the NBA. Sam Presti is, has run a masterclass. He's got, his team is at the top of the Western Conference. They're one of the best teams in the NBA. And they have more assets and young pieces than anybody else in the league does. They are set up for insane future long-term success. They can outbid anybody. Following them, the Utah Jazz are in a really great spot as well. They have a ton of picks from dealing Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. The San Antonio Spurs are sitting on a decent chunk of picks uh, from the original framework of the DeJounte Murray trade, as well as their own draft picks moving forward. Plus, they've got a lot of young talent, a lot of young kind of blue chip prospects that could be included in a potential blockbuster type deal. So those are just three teams that could potentially outbid the Rockets. And I haven't done, you know, I haven't dug into every team in the association to know if there's another couple teams that might be out there that have a, a marginally better offer than the Houston Rockets do. But I think there's been this kind of misconception that the Rockets have this like, you know, insane amount of draft picks to work with to just, you know, with, with the left, with what they have left of the Brooklyn Nets picks, they really don't. And unfortunately for the Rockets, now that the Brooklyn Nets have have left this NBA trade deadline and they didn't do any major moves, I think there's you can maybe make an argument that the Nets got a little bit better because they swapped Spencer Dinwiddie for Dennis Schroeder, but they also traded Royce O'Neal and he was you know a decent player for them. So you can make the argument they got a little better. You can maybe make the argument that they got a little worse. More or less, the Nets didn't shake up anything crazy, so they're still kind of a middling, you know, play-in tournament-esque team in a weak Eastern Conference. 
the pick isn't going to be incredible. The pick this year is not going to be incredible. And as long as the Nets maintain this current course that they're on of mediocrity, the picks are never going to be phenomenal. They're going to be somewhere in that, you know, 8 to 12, 13 range in the lottery. That's not great to work with. Um, so unfortunately, I don't think the Rockets are in a great position to bid for a potential upset star caliber player if one does does ultimately demand a trade because of the position that the other teams are in. And on top of that, they would probably have to include multiple of the core six to get a team interested in doing a trade with the Rockets. Um, there's no way that the Nets picks are going to be enough when you're trying to outbid teams like OKC and Utah and San Antonio for a potential star level player. Now, the one area that I do think Rockets fans should be encouraged by and where I'm encouraged is Ime Odoka is a coach with a lot of cachet around the NBA landscape. Players love, absolutely adore Ime Odoka. And lots of players would love to play for Ime Odoka. So, it's very possible that the next star player that does want out of a bad situation or wants to be moved and get a change of scenery, all that, if that player comes out and says, I'm demanding a trade to Houston or I only want to be traded to Houston or I'll only re-sign a new contract in Houston, any variation of the above, right? Because they want to come to Houston and because they see the young talent, they see the direction the team is headed, they see Emu Doka as the head coach and like, that's a situation that I want to be in. That is a distinct possibility, and we've seen it happen before where star players submit their demands, and by and large, star players kind of get what they want in today's NBA. That's the era of player empowerment, and we saw it with James Harden, right? He forced his way out of Houston. He got exactly where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to Philadelphia or Brooklyn. He got to Brooklyn, and the Rockets got all the Nets picks back because of it. So the Rockets are going to be in a position where they can potentially you know, make a play for a star player, but it's going to require some potential leveraging from that star. Because if a star just says, get me out of here, I don't care where I go, there's multiple other teams that are going to have better offers in front of the Rockets. But if that star player says, nah, I only want to go to Houston, then that gives the Rockets a lot of leverage in those negotiations and they can utilize some of their own draft picks that are much further down the line or the Nets picks or some combination of the young players that they do have on hand to be able to make a deal happen. So there's at least some reason for cautious optimism that the star chasing won't be totally bleak. Um, but again, I just think it's a risky proposition to put yourself in that business where you're, you're trying to chase for star guys. Cause you never know if one's going to come loose. You don't know who you're bidding against. Um, and that's kind of where it looks like the rockets are headed currently where they've got all this expiring salary. They're going to revisit things this summer. Uh, I really hope that they don't draft that Nets pick, the 2024 pick. I would I would hope at this point you're going to have to try and maybe fashion together a draft night trade to not make that selection because the moment you make that selection, that's yet another young player that you're going to have to f have a plan for, either figuring out how you're going to grow and develop them or trading them to another team or whatever. It just becomes a lot harder to make that happen if you don't have a concrete idea of how you're going to develop and, and get that guy into the rotation, especially when you have so many other young guys already on the roster. Coming up, I do want to get into some more thoughts from this trade deadline, some of the potential concerns with the Rockets front office about the asset management perspective of what we've seen from this Rockets front office, uh, as well as taking a quick glance around the NBA uh, and kind of what some of the other teams did, some of the winners and losers from the NBA trade deadline. We're going to get there in just one moment. 
first, today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little bit further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the very next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives and great escapes. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Gone are the days of connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen right there at your fingertips. The 2024 Rogue is the perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure, but maybe you want something with a little bit more size. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has room for up to eight passengers and expansive cargo capacity and advanced available four by four capability with 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds towing capacity. When adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. So take the Nissan Rogue or the Nissan Pathfinder and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, I'm not even going to be able to unpack fully all my thoughts on this, you know, what, what this trade deadline means for the Rockets and kind of how it how we have to unpack what this team is going to be capable of moving forward. I mentioned early on, I'm a little disappointed in the outcome of this deadline. It's not the end of the world because let's face it, the Rockets have probably already performed, have probably exceeded expectations of where a lot of people thought this team would be at this season. They've had some adversity. They've had major injuries. Not having Tari Eason for so much of the season has definitely adversely impacted this team, missing Dylan Brooks for that stretch of games. Now they're missing Fred Van Vliet. It hasn't been a perfect season. I think they still exceeded expectations. They're still on track for where you would hope this team would be. They might miss the play-in tournament this year. It is what it is. But for me, I do think that there are very legitimate concerns about what we have seen or haven't seen from the Rockets' front office. And a big part of that is, again, moves at the margins. You know, talking about early on, you know, some of the players that have been moved around this deadline for second round picks or the fact that we didn't see any of those kind of smaller moves being made by the Rockets front office at this deadline. And maybe it's just because the Rockets front office doesn't necessarily care about some of these smaller moves uh, at the end of the day. But when you see so many different players being moved around for second round draft picks, two seconds, three seconds here and there, and you look at the future for the Houston Rockets, they only have five available second round draft picks. And you look at like what brought them to this point, it cost them seven draft picks to get an injured Steven Adams, who's not even, he's not even playing this season. And we don't know what he's going to look like as he rehabilitates and tries to get back to, you know, NBA shape and all that. Hopefully he's able to be, you know, 70 or 80% of what he was previously before he was injured. But that's, that's the cautious optimism. But because of the shenanigans that took place over the summer, their pursuit of Brooke Lopez, that kind of fell through. It cost them a couple second round draft picks to offload the contracts of Ty Ty Washington, Usman Garuba, all that stuff, this past free agency. Then it cost them two more second round draft picks to trade Kevin Porter Jr.'s contract for Victor Oladipo. And then they traded the Victor Oladipo contract for Steven Adams. And that cost them three second round draft picks. So seven total second round draft picks for a backup center who's not even healthy right now this season. I think that's a little concerning. I don't, and again, I, in a, in a, I don't, I don't hate the Steven Adams trade in a vacuum. It's just, 
you see some of the other deals that other GMs around the association make and how they stockpile assets and make these kind of really smart, clever, on-the-margin moves, and you just don't see the Rockets doing many of those deals. Now, they have in the past. Um, they they had that one deal with the Nets. I cannot remember the player's name. Uh, du- Dumbaya, maybe, something like that, that they traded with the Nets, and they got a second-round draft pick from doing that deal. for like very, It was a small kind of margin move. That was a clever deal. They had the one with OKC, uh, a couple seasons ago where it, that involved David Nwaba that ultimately it was like a, a big shuffle of a bunch of players. Derek Favors was involved in that deal. And ultimately it wound up being this weird shuffle of a bunch of expiring contracts, but the Rockets netted a second round draft pick out of it. So deals like that, we've seen the Rockets front office do it a couple times, but not consistently enough. And for the people who like to you know, clown what has been dubbed uh, asset management Twitter or those of us who are concerned with those moves kind of at the margins. That's what separates a team from being, I don't know, a perennial first round exit or a team that wants to sit on the treadmill of mediocrity or just a, a poorly mismanaged team in general. That's what separates those teams from the teams that find sustainable long term success from the teams that are legitimate, have legitimate championship front office executives. Guys who understand, hey, for us to build a contender, we're going to need a ton of second round draft picks down the line to be able to throw and pick up guys who are, you know, on cheap deals or, or you, know, you know, role players that other teams might not want. Those second round picks are important currency in the NBA landscape. We've seen, again, at this very trade deadline, we saw a lot of different role players, you know, get shopped around, move to other playoff hopefuls, possible contenders, teams making acquisitions using multiple second round draft picks. It's kind of the new NBA currency. It used to be you saw late first rounders getting moved all the time. Now you're seeing two, three, sometimes four or five second round draft picks being all attached together and thrown at players, at serviceable role players. So I do think there are valid concerns and criticisms. I I think some of them are probably a bit overblown because they, some of the big picture stuff, some of the bigger, you know, uh, choices that this front office have had to make, they've gotten right. They've they've made some solid choices. They've drafted well. Um, Alper and Shingun knocked it out of the park. Uh, kind of TBD at this point on Jalen Green with that number two overall pick. Uh, what his future looks like and how that draft pick is going to be reflected on uh, as we as we get further and further away from the 2021 NBA draft. Jabari and Tari look awesome. Cam and Amin look great so far. So there are some things that you want to give the front office credit for and that they've gotten right. But then there's also things that you can be critical of and think, hey, you know, maybe we would have liked to see some different choices being made here or, you know, being a little bit more proactive instead of reactive. Um, But I'm not going to drudge up and try and tackle the entire history of what Rafael Stone and the Rockets front office have done or haven't done uh, over these last three, four years. But I do think that it's just worth noting that there are some legitimate concerns about this front office and their approach to certain things. So we'll see how it all plays out ultimately for this Rockets team, what they're able to potentially do in free agency, in the offseason, you know, what their, what their ultimate plan is. And that's kind of my thing is I just, I would just like there to be what seems to be a concrete plan because at the beginning of this season they talked about phase two of the rebuild and and you know Ime talked about never missing the playoffs and it kind of seemed like the plan was for them to be aggressive and and make the play-in tournament this year it seemed like that was kind of their the bar that they set for themselves and then we even saw Ime very early on in the season right 
the benchings of Jalen Green, of Jabari Smith Jr., Alper and Shun, right? Benching the young guys in favor of playing the veterans to try and win basketball games kind of seemed like development was secondary and that winning games was the primary goal of this season. And then that kind of shifted to where we started seeing, you know, more reps, you know, developmental reps being poured into certain guys. We, we've seen the Jalen Green experiment look a variety of different ways this season, having him run with the second unit, having him get more reps with the starters, all this stuff. So I, I wonder if internally the goals kind of shifted back to, hey, maybe we're not good enough to make the play in this year. We'll just focus on development and we'll reassess kind of where we're at this offseason and, and make the, the necessary moves to be a more competitive team next year. But I think it's really hard to make that leap from if you miss the play-in tournament again this season, so no postseason basketball if you finish in the 11th or 12th spot in the Western Conference this year, I think it's really hard to make that leap from being the 11th or 12th best team in the West to, uh, at that point, next year when you're in year two of what is supposed to be phase two of the rebuild, what is the, what's the uh, bottom, wh where's your, your level of success at at that point? Is it okay to just barely make the play-in? Are you going to be okay with a ninth or tenth seed? Or does the expectation shift to, hey, okay, we missed the play-in that first year. This year we should be like the seventh or eighth seed. I just wonder with what the internal expectations are organizationally for where the Rockets are at, where they want to be at. Um, cause there's, there are legitimate arguments on both sides, the sides, you know, the side of people who wanted to see some moves being made and maybe pushing for, you know, getting to the play in this year. Again, not if it's going to cost you an unreasonable amount of assets to get impact players or guys who could potentially have been contributors on this team. You don't want to overdo it there. The Rockets definitely aren't at a point where, you want to push a bunch of chips into the table for a ninth or 10th seed push. But that's also why when you look at their asset management and you look at the fact that they don't have what I've liked to refer to now as like a confetti cannon full of second round draft picks to just blast at potential targets. That's concerning because if they had had, I don't know, 12 second round draft picks to work with at this deadline instead of only the five that they had, or I guess eight before the Steven Adams trade, if they had had more second round draft picks to work with, then maybe we could have seen them pick up a shooter or a backup big or something like that rather than just choosing to do nothing. So that's why, and sorry if this conversation feels circular or if I'm, you know, rehashing certain things, I'm just trying to wrap my head around the approach. Um, and again, ultimately, uh, I don't think they, I don't, I don't think the Rockets like hurt themselves by not doing anything at this deadline. I just wonder if it means that internally their expectations have shifted. They're not as worried about making the play in and they're more so focused on the future of what this team can be. And they're ready to just, Hey, we're just going to play out the rest of the season wherever, you know, wherever the chips may fall. So be it. If we make the play in cool, if we don't make the play in, we still had a really good season. There's a lot of data points for Emi Odoka to understand what he has with his young group of guys. Who's going to stick around long-term. Who are we going to commit to all that stuff? Now, it is worth noting, uh, as, a, as another point that I want to bring up here, uh, this upcoming offseason is when Alperin Shingun and Jalen Green both become extension eligible. But as brought up and highlighted by uh, resident Rockets uh, capologist uh, and assistant to the general manager, Bima Thug, on social media, on Twitter, He's highlighting and said that he don't he doesn't think it's a guarantee that the Rockets actually extend either of Jalen Green or Alper and Shingun this upcoming offseason because 
what it would allow the Rockets to do is if they didn't extend either Jalen or Alp this offseason, it would give them that 80 million something dollars to work with next offseason, so summer 2025, to be able to have a max contract slot to, to throw at potential free agents. Multiple, multiple slots to throw at potential free agents because then you just have this very small cap hold from Jalen and Alp instead of inking them to this massive deal that is then going to actively prevent you from signing a big name player or two down the line. So maybe that's their approach. Maybe they really are just targeting summer 2025 and we're going to be kind of stuck in a bit of a holding pattern until then. I think that's probably a little unrealistic, which is why the Rockets are also teed up to potentially trade for a star player rather than just having to outright sign one. But I also would hate to see this team be stuck in in limbo for the next year and a half until not this summer, but next summer to try and get a star level player. Hopefully by then, you know, Alper and Shingun already looks like an all-star. Hopefully by then we have a better idea. Maybe, maybe Jabari starts to look like an all-star next season, or maybe Amin or Cam, they start to really hit, or maybe Jalen Green has really turned the corner and he's going to look like a, a, a future star for the back half of this season. And the Rockets are going to lock in and he's definitely going to be a part of the future moving forward. But a lot of those are, are unknowns. A lot of those are big question marks. We don't know how that stuff's going to play out. So I think I've tackled most of the points that I wanted to address in this episode about, uh, about what the Rockets have done, about how they could still improve with the buyout candidates, about what we would have liked to see them try and do at the deadline. Um, double check. I'm, I'm going through my notes here. I'm trying to make sure I don't miss a single thing. Email Doka's cachet with players. Cool, 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 cool. All right. I think I've mostly gotten everything that I wanted to address. I will say, uh, I, I am very curious. I I put it out there on social media. I put it out there on the, the YouTube comments asking people's reactions to uh, what the Rockets did or, again, didn't do at this NBA traded line. A lot of people are upset. A lot of people are very frustrated with what the Rockets did. Um, there's also a lot of people that said that they're okay. And again, I, I see arguments from both sides. Uh, I'm not going to over, I'm not going to completely overreact yet. I think I'm leaning more again. I mentioned earlier, I'm disappointed with, um, I didn't even mention Jock Landale earlier when I was talking about expiring contracts. My goodness. Uh, I'm reading a comment that says Jock Landale now. So that, that triggered that memory. Um, but look, I get it, and it, it probably is a bit of a disappointing trade deadline. That's kind of where I've where I've settled in. But there's still there's at least a somewhat of a kind of a big picture uh, approach that the Rockets are trying to adhere to. It, it very clearly looks like their plan is to go star chasing. I've expressed my concerns with that approach, but at the same time, I don't think you have to trade for a star. That's that's maybe the final point that I want to bring up here before a uh, couple more thoughts about the trade deadline in general, but. You don't have to go nail or, you know, pick up another star player because you could just grow your own star player. It's very possible. Look, Shingun already looks like an all-star. We don't know what his true ceiling is. Is, is Shingun capable of being a top 10, top 15 player in the NBA one day? Maybe. We really don't know what his ceiling is, but he already looks like an all-star, which is an incredibly promising sight to see. Maybe Jalen Green still has star potential. Jabari, Tari, Amin, Cam. So there is merit to the... to the slow play idea that you just want to hold on. You want to wait and see what you have with these guys. But at the same time, there's an opportunity cost 
to that. And, and I did, you know, in, in kind of discussing uh, why I was in favor of the Mikhail Bridges trade in the first place is there's an opportunity cost associated with keeping Jalen Green in this role and, and holding on to him and, and, and sticking with him. Even if you're bought in, if you think he's got future star potential and you don't want to give up on him, I get all that. And I would love for Jalen to become a future star. My argument comes from at some point you have to decide, are these players sticking or are they going right at some player? You've at some point you've got to decide a player is who he is. Is it premature to make that choice about Jalen green two and a half years into his career? Quite possibly. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I see the other side of the argument from people who don't want to trade Jalen green, who are probably breathing a sigh of relief that he didn't get traded at this deadline. I absolutely get that. But at a certain point, you have you're 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 just you're collecting data on these players. And at a certain point, you have to make a hard decision about does this player stick around? Do we think they can still be a star? Do we still think that they can be a part of a winning team in some capacity? Maybe it's not as a star player. Maybe it's using Jalen as an as, as the example. Maybe it's as a sixth man or maybe you change his role a little bit. Who knows? But that's why you have to. That's why these GMs and front office executives get paid the big bucks, because you're going to have to take a gamble at some point. You're either taking a gamble on sticking with Jalen Green and sticking with him and, and, you know, growing him and developing him and hoping that he can still have that that star potential upside down the line and realize his potential. Or you gamble on trading a player like that for an already established player who is what he is or has already kind of showcased what what they can be as an NBA player, which is where the Mikhail Bridges stuff kind of comes from. So I don't at this point, I don't know if Jalen Green's ever going to be as impactful as a Mikhail Bridges type, which that's an all NBA caliber defender, an elite three point shooter, a great, a solid second option, a fantastic third option on a contending team, a guy who's already been to the finals before. That's a pretty good player. That's why I was in favor of doing the trade, but Rockets obviously thought otherwise, or maybe not the Rockets thought otherwise, but the Nets clearly didn't budge on their desire to not trade Mikhail Bridges. Maybe that changes this off season. Um, but yeah, as far as the Rockets are concerned, little disappointing, little frustrating, not the end of the world. They still have a lot of flexibility moving forward. Uh, they are positioned very well to chase star players. Uh, and there is kind of a long-term picture in place of, even if they don't ultimately trade for a star player, they've got all that expiring salary and they should be able to outright sign one summer 2025 if one of those players ultimately becomes available. Uh I haven't even looked at who the potential free agents are for summer 2025. I probably should have, and that is a failure on my part for, for this podcast, but it'll absolutely be something that we look look at uh, in the coming days and weeks. Actually, you know what? I take that back. Uh, let's do this. NBA free agents, 2025 free agents. We'll do this. We'll just, we'll go ahead and we'll do it live on the podcast. Should have had it prepped. Um, let's look at some of these names on this list. Uh, potentially LeBron James, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, uh, Kyrie Irving, Drew Holiday, Jason Tatum. That's an interesting name. That's a, that's one that the Rockets could absolutely pursue, pursue, I should say. Donovan Mitchell, uh, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brunson. Now, as I'm speeding through this list, I don't know which of these guys are like, it's considering team options and then picking up the team option for next season and then expiring summer 2025. That's always a bit of a, uh, a messy thing to consider because uh, oftentimes these players like to opt out of their contract and sign for more money rather than pick up that final player option. So yeah, like LeBron James has a player option for next season. This would, uh, this would mean he picks up that option and then is a free agent in summer 2025, which is more than likely not the case. 
Uh, but there are going to be names out there. If the Rockets can't trade for a star, then they should be able to outright sign one. And hopefully by then they are on the upswing enough to where a potential star player would want to sign in Houston. Uh, final couple thoughts here from just general NBA trade deadline. Uh, I think that the New York Knicks came out as absolute winners. They look really solid. Um, they were able to turn Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, and uh, Ryan. I always struggle with his last name. Arcidiano? I can't even pronounce his last name. I sh can't do it. I should have looked up the phonetics. Um, and two second round draft picks for Boyan Bogdanovich and uh, Alec Burks. Uh, so a couple really great pickups for the New York Knicks. And then I think a major loser at this deadline, Chicago Bulls. They didn't do anything, man. Like you had to shut down Zach Levine for surgery. Uh, after all those rumors, you didn't make any other trades, any other, didn't do anything of note. And you're kind of this middling team stuck, you know, I don't know. The Chicago Bulls just feel kind of stuck to me. So I think they're kind of a major loser at this uh, NBA trade deadline. But I want your thoughts. I want your reactions to the Rockets trade deadline. Let me know how you feel in the YouTube comments, whether you're listening, whether you're watching on YouTube. Give me your thoughts on what, you know, where the Rockets are, how confident you are in them moving forward. How do you feel about the front office? But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.